This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, here we are, Mr. Bain. We're back. Finally. We're back. Uh, sorry for the long delay. We're on to episode 77 today. We are. We are going to talk about the future of pro powerlifting. Future. Um, let's tie up some loose ends. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's too many, but uh, excellent interview with Rebecca. A uh, lot of good feedback and... Uh, a lot of people saying they're not surprised by the USAPL story. Yeah, we got a few. Like, I mean, Allison Hind reached out and said, hey, hey, you know, uh, acknowledged. Like, yep, that absolutely was uh, was same, my same experience. Had some other folks also had some, like, not the same experience, but it's very unique, like, what the fuck type moments mm-hmm. from, from their leadership when they chose to, to move on or to, uh, to go away. Uh, interesting, I guess Bobby Greer may have been getting some pokes from the USAPL by making a jump over to us. Can't confirm more than I may or may not have happened, but we'll see. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we'll talk more about USAPL members here in a little bit. We shall. We shall. And the newest USAPL member. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, But let's move on, Mr. Oh, any other loose ends to tie up, Mr. Bain? Yeah. I think there's one that may. uh, Our our good friend, Mr. Meadows, they uh, let him out of uh, Sunset Retirement Home. I think it's more apt name is Sunset versus Sunrise. Um, But he he mentioned the the kind of post-meet blues. And that's definitely a real thing. Like, you know, when you go through the whole process of prepping for a meet, all that. And I think it's one of those we may want to explore a little bit, maybe get some anecdotal stories from folks. But I think there could be some meat on that bone. Uh, that's an interesting one because I think there's kind of a, a psychological, a mental, mm-hmm. even a physical letdown after Absol- a meet. Absolutely. I mean, one of, the, one of the reasons why I think there is continued value in competing beyond maybe what even is your, quote, prime and I'll speak from the type of lifter who's maybe not like a Dave Hoff, not like a somebody who could be or is a professional, mm-hmm. but like, you know, what mostly we the, are. The recreational The lifter. recreational lifter. Why I think there is value to still continue to train for something is it does help drive your training. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll speak from personal experience. I don't compete all the time anymore, um, but I do, you know, try to compete once or twice a year. you're too busy being an asshole or running good beats. That's part of it. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that having that something to train for, like, it, it, it gives you a sense of urgency because there is a deadline. And Absolutely. if you miss a workout, it's like, well, that could have an impact on what I'm going to do on the platform in front of other people. And yep. whether you say you, quote, don't care what other people think or not, like, you don't want to go do poorly. Um, and I do think then once you've kind of achieved that, it's like, ah, like now I can kind of relax a little bit. And that's why I think a lot of new lifters, mm-hmm. like they get so excited after their first meet. Mm-hmm. They love that experience and they want to immediately like do their next meet and try training for it. And I, I, I'm not necessarily saying that's bad, but they're, as we've talked about in a previous episode about, you know, how do we get lifters from their second meet to their 10th meet? You know, uh, how do you get over those post meet blues and how do you refocus, perhaps reload, Change your focus slightly. So not, not deload, reload. Right, reload. Um, and then, you know, eventually do another meet uh, because, you know, you can't, you can't constantly be training for meets. Like, eventually your body's going to break down. You can't do SPD three times a week and do 10 meets a year forever. Like, and it's just to be fair, you also can't do ascending conjugate method, you know, 
50 weeks out of the year and, you know, potentially destroy yourself that way too. So you do have to have some type of uh, reprieve and rest. Even if it's just psychological and mental. Like, yeah. Sure, you could still be training hard, but just not at that same, same intensity, yeah, exactly. same focus that you are training for me. So that's an interesting topic. I do enjoy that. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you get to Mr. Meadows' age, you know uh, – I mean, the positive for him is like really like every meet's like your first meet because you've forgotten most of the last 10 years anyway. So Sure. I mean, and you're closer to the end than the beginning. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, you know, you're trying to fit in one or two more meets before it's time to be put out to pasture. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Perfect. And, I mean, I feel like his uh, his North Shore health system is trying to put him out to pasture. Holy shit. Yeah. I, I noticed his post recently. They're like, oh, Getting well. A little, a little spicy. We, we can't even draw your blood because you need to go to the hospital and, immediately. It's and like, apparently he's dehydrated. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. You're just a bad sticker. Yeah, jeez. Hilarious. Anyways, Mr. Bain, other than that, what is going on? My skin is loose and my balls are old. Um, So I turned 40. Yikes. Yep, yep. I turned 40 on March 16th, and and it was cool and uh, pretty fun. I spent over half the month of March in in Florida. I thoroughly enjoyed that because it was kind of cold and shitty up here in Illinois. So So you're getting closer to the Meadows age now. You know. Or maybe you want to go to. Head to God's waiting room. You want to go to Florida (laughs) for like half the the winter? No, I mean, it just, it worked out, man, with, uh, you know, I had to do a work conference and I I spent my birthday weekend uh, in Florida and then turned around pretty quick and came back for for the bench bash, which we'll talk about here in a second. But yeah, so I spent over half the month in Florida. It was a good time and uh, definitely was, uh, I don't feel 40, which is nice. And actually, as I was handing my ID out, uh, you know, to get drinks or to prove it was my birthday to get some of the specials, like a lot of folks commented that they didn't think I looked 40. And that was, uh, that was nice. Stroke the old ego a little bit. So, uh, that's cool. But that's, uh, that's going on with me. Stones, going on with you? So just a couple weeks ago, we had the, uh, raw Illinois state meet. Uh, We've got the equipped state meet coming up, uh, in a couple days mm-hmm. as of this recording. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the raw state meet was good. Um, a good size meet. Good time. It was fun. Yeah. A, a lot of new lifters. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of new lifters. So, and I think, you know, because... fun, fun fact from that, um, we had a, a decent sized contingent come up from Indiana. Yeah. And two out of the three left with best lifter awards, except for one Bobby Gurr. <laughs> but Ryan Hampshire left with the best lifter award, uh-huh. as did Sunset's own Chris Meadows. Yeah, man, Sunset must be really excited about having a Best Lifter Award. I'm telling you, man, I mean, it's got to be nice and shiny. I'm sure it keeps everybody's attention on bingo night. I mean, it's got to be good. Perfect. Um, (laughs) Or we showed it off during tapioca dessert. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Favorite time of the week. Perfect. (laughs) Um, We also had our Special Olympics district meet, which was uh, one of the first times that uh, I was able to coach at a Special Olympics meet in many, many years. Um, I had four athletes compete. Um, I had, I believe, two qualify for state. Um, one I th- we thought qualified, and uh, once again, we're going to talk about lifting cast a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But they were using lifting cast at this particular meet. They were running – the Special Olympics basically runs IPF-like rules. And I'm not going to say it's IPF rules because these are obviously Special Olympians. But uh, they were using lifting cast, and they were using you know that kind of equipment. But overall, good time and, and happy with my athletes. Um, hope to continue to grow that program. Definitely. Uh, um, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention, since we haven't mentioned it, we haven't had an episode since it's happened, that mm-hmm. uh, March 24th, 2022, Louis Simmons, significant figure in the powerlifting and strength training world, has has passed away. Yes. Um, it was interesting. I, I you, you had texted me uh, right before it kind of made, like, the big announcement. I think uh, it was a Jimmy Pacifico had... Uh, posted he posted on Facebook, and I'm friends with him on Facebook. Yeah, so you, you you texted me that. I was in a movie. I was watching The Batman with the kids. Terrible movie, by the way. Don't fucking see it. Wait till it comes out at home. 
Really? I've, I've actually heard really good things about it. Too but, long. The story was dog shit. The, I mean, the cinematography was good. The acting was okay. But it's the three hours was like, is this fucking over yet? So she said. Um, but yeah, like, I got that. And then I see, you start seeing all these messages, like all these things come through about Louie. And that is probably one of the few regrets I feel I will have uh, in powerlifting is I had two opportunities to go over to West Side just to go see it. Um and unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to, and so I never got to meet Louis in person. But uh, wow, what a! As we talked about with Ernie Franz as well, what an impactful life! What a a, a life that will ripple through uh, through the ages. Uh, basically, if you are interested in being strong, whether you ever know his name or not, Louis will touch your life somehow. No doubt. Um, you know, I, I didn't know Louis personally. I'd maybe kind of met him. I'd certainly seen him at a number of meets through mm-hmm. the years. Um, you saw him airborne. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I don't know that I had a close enough relationship with Louie where I feel like I should be posting a personal story about it. And I think some close to Louie might be a little bit remiss that people that have uh, shitted on him for years and years, mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's a saint. And one phrase that a lot of people use that kind of rub me the wrong way is where is saying, well, whether you love him or hate him. Yeah. Well, like well if you hate him, then why are you posting a eulogy about him? Like, just post nothing. Yeah. So uh, those types of people, I think, were trying to make it about themselves. Sure. Which uh, I don't ap- particularly appreciate when somebody of Louis Simmons' stature dies. I mean, certainly people that, that you know, train at Westside that are close with him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's a loss for them. Um, it's a loss for the strength training world. Yep. Um, like, as you said, a very significant figure. Um, I posted on the Strength and Anger page, or I reposted the mm-hmm. – the video that uh, Michael Fahey, Westside versus the World fame, yep. posted and said, you know, there is a reason why in our Palooza throwback almost every week we mentioned the Louis Simmons article because, I mean, literally for – I'm trying to trace it back. It's hard. The website we use to get the old Powerlifting USA – It's not very user-friendly. Yeah, it's a very slow website, so I'm slowly starting to download all those PDFs and save them onto my, uh, onto my hard drive. Digital hoarder. <laughs> yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, our Palooza throwback today is from 93. And even in 93, he was already publishing articles. I believe it started before then. I'm trying to trace my way back and find when he first started posting articles. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he posted basically a weekly or, all, or monthly or almost monthly article in Powerlifting USA from at the very least the mid-90s through probably the end of Powerlifting USA's run, which yep. I believe we've traced up to, what, 2011, I, I believe? Roughly, yeah. So we'll say plausibly 20 years. Plus he was doing stuff ad hoc before that, and he definitely was producing content well after that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's tons of content on, yep. the, on the Westside Barbell website. Instagram page. I mean, yeah. just uh, the Conjugate Club, whatever. His book, VH, old VHS tapes, DVDs. Which I have. I, I know I mentioned this when we first got him, but I actually have like the full set of the old West Side DVDs. Yeah, yeah, that, those would be good to to take a look so at. Now, now I absolutely am going to take a look. Yeah, those. I mean, uh, especially if we can find a DVD player. Um, well, I have a few at the house because Blu-ray, uh, Blu-ray usually goes backwards. Oh, okay, perfect. Like backwards compatible. Yeah, of course. Uh, so yeah, let, let's move on though. But I thought yep. it was at least worth mentioning yep, Louis absolutely. Simmons passing. Absolutely. Um, and we're, we'll, we'll actually talk about Louis and our police throwback today. Yes. But let's move on to our. Let's go, Brandon. Segment. Yes. Uh, so, <clears throat> many of us know that inflation is uh, is definitely hitting uh, hitting home. Uh, depending on what you read or what you may believe or, or what you're seeing, uh, what your dollar bought 
in 2019 and 2018 now is the equivalent of 73 cents. If I'm getting the, that right, it may be the other way around. But essentially, like inflation is kicking the shit out of us. And there have been suggestions in various news articles on how to uh, deal with this inflation. And one of the suggestions was instead of eating meat to eat lentils. And my response is eat a fucking dick and fix the inflation. Absolutely not. Am I going to cut meat out of my diet? I will cut other shit out because that is an essential part of just, in my view, the human experience. I think vegans and vegetarians are crazy. You're nice people, but you're fucking nuts. Julian, I love you. Um, but yeah, it, that that to me is part of uh, of the human experience. And honestly, if you want optimal performance, people have to make a big deal if they are a you know vegetarian bodybuilder or powerlifter because ultimately, 99% of folks will never be successful because they don't have the required nutrition that comes from eating animal proteins. And, and I know there's a lot of factors that go, to, go into it, whether it comes to transportation, comes to uh, storage, comes to you know how farmers are getting squeezed, whatever. But yeah, suggesting to eat lentils to save on meat costs, fuck you. Stone, let's go, Brandon. Uh, you know, I, I thought I'd go away from the political topics for a week. Nah, and, fuck all that shit. And go, you know, pure powerlifting. This, this one is funny, though. But, you know, it, uh, as we're going to talk about in a little bit here, um, USAPL, high school, teenage, U- collegiate. As Jay Quillen said. Junior, yeah. Uspel, yeah. She said that literally to the USAPL president. Who I, who I missed by like 10 minutes, apparently. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even mention that. Well, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll go back. I'll come back to that when yeah. we talk about we'll collegiate rewind. nationals. <laughs> Uh, but their lifters were in town, and uh, I guess it's not that atypical because you have that many lifters in town, and you've got coaches, and you've got you know training partners. So there's going to be some people looking for a gym. But sure. I, I would say what's unique about USAPL lifters is that many of them will train two days, one day before they compete. Right? I, I don't get that. And if it works for you, cool. Um, one girl was here on Saturday, I guess. Um, my client David chatted with her, and she was doing heavy singles on the bench. She was competing the next day, Dumb. and she said she always benches better the second day. So I, if it works for her, I guess cool. Um, RIP shoulders in about five years. But, yep, rip, rip in peace. Uh, but, you know, some of the lifters that came in, it is almost as though they have been produced off a literal assembly line. Dude, it's fucking crazy. I mean, they all are... S- same outfits. <laughs> and to be fair, this was collegiate nationals mostly. Um, not a many high school lifters are in here, but collegiate nationals. And so a lot of young people, mm-hmm. and they're like perusing around the gym looking for 45-pound bars, of which... They, they've all got the same SDR cameras yep. with fucking tripods with the, with the little mic attachment on it. <laughs> not all of them have that. I saw... The four that I saw all had the mic attached. Yeah. Uh, so they're all perusing. And we have 45-pound bars, but we don't use those for any of our lifts. So yeah. that's not what is typically sitting on our competition benches, monoliths, or deadlift platforms. We have some sometimes sitting on the power racks. They're all looking for 45-pound bars, and then they're literally, like, trancing around the whole gym to use the kilo plates yes. from the two areas that we had the kilo and, plates. And the, the dumbest thing I saw was, like, there is a – there are two competition platforms in the back with kilo plates right there. Why, why wouldn't you use those? <laughs> I don't know. But I get it. I haven't seen the brand Vulcan, so I can't guarantee they're actually, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, if you're using bu- plates. bumper plates on a Kabuki deadlift bar versus kilo plates, sure. There's pro- and you're deadlifting five, six, seven hundred pounds. There's probably a difference. But if you're doing like two reds on each side, there's no difference. Zero. It- 
fucking none. It doesn't matter. And, and it's just, I spent about a half hour yesterday, again, going around cleaning up oh, my that, plates around the gym. The, the one that we saw, was it last night or the night before? Benching in the power rack with a 45-pound bar with pound plates they pulled from a different area. Like, I, I feel like that one was intentionally set in to fuck with us. No, no. He was just oblivious. Like, he, no, he he saw he was looking at the trees. He he like touched the weights. I watched it. Yeah, I I don't know that one. I because the night before, him and his buddy, that particular uh, lifter, they went into the back room. Oh, they were posing, weren't they? They doing, turned on the yeah, lights and were sponsored, posing. Sponsored life. And then uh, they also that guy particular lifter was videotaping himself doing cable exercises like. Cable triceps, cable crossover. So I would say he was a little bit different. Oh, God. I will be talking about that here in a, in a moment. So, uh, yeah. You don't need kilo plates for your rig. I, 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 just, I, I don't get it. it I, we have lifters here who they'll be working on a rack that has kilo plates and will go find pound plates because they just don't want to do the math, even though I have loading charts yep. sitting right there next to them. So, so let, me, let me say this because I travel a lot. You know, you, we talk about I travel a ton for work and – you have to kind of like make do with what you got. Now, there are tons of opportunities to train around 2XL powerlifting. The, I mean, the amount of equipment that is here is second to none in the Chicagoland area. And there are other great gyms in the area, too. That, I mean, I feel bad for them where these people are dropping fully loaded deadlift bars onto, not onto the platform, onto the platform, like, like the uh, piece that goes around it. Ugh. The border, like they're dropping the bars and the and the plates on that. Like, first of all, why are you set up like that? What the fuck are you doing? Second, um, you're a guest. Like, I I, ha- I have to to say that because this seems to be one of the universal things I hear is when these meets come to town, there are so many of these people that just treat the gyms the area like shit and like, dude, fuck you. I heard this from Perfect Storm. I've seen it here. I heard it from other gyms in the area. Like, do these people just treat it like, oh well? I hope you know this. I'm a USAPL lifter. Okay. I would say most of the lifters here were fine. They didn't treat the place poorly other than like, and most of them actually that did move kilo plates from like one corner of the gym to the other relatively tried to put it back where it went. Which, I, which I just, I did see that too. Which I, I was just very thought impressed it was with. ironic. Like, why do you even need the, why yeah. do you even need the kilo plates just, at all? Just make do. You're like, squatting seriously. 200 pounds. Right. Like it will, it, and if it does make that much of a difference, I believe you need to really examine your training methodology and and your like everything. If there's that many variables, holy shit! You got a pirate dancing in front of you. You've got four massive LCD screens behind you. What the hell are you gonna do? Gonna roll over and win on yourself? You don't have that at your gym. <laughs> anyway. Oh, Bane, let's move on. That's let's enough. On. That's enough on that because we will continue to talk about we, that. We but, absolutely will. But let, let's talk about uh, where you were this past weekend. Yeah. Um, when I was at the Special Olympics meet, you were at the the first WPO bench bash in For probably oh, God, 15 plus years. It had to be, yeah. I mean, back to the Kieran Kenner era. Who was there? He was. He was at announcing. The WPO bench bash. I, I got to meet Kieran. It was dope. Uh, that's quite a, quite a throwback. Yeah, that was, that was fun. So. Uh, I'm going to try to keep this succinct, and I know that Wayne listens to some of these. Once we say that the WPO is mentioned, he will listen to this. There's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Wayne knows this too. Um, and understand, I don't blame any person. This is just my observation. Of course. Okay. So Wayne was told that there would be a crew to help set up the meet. 
when we arrived, it, this is a bodybuilding gym. And, and let, let's oh, back we, up. This, yeah, we went. WPO Bench Bash, it's down in what town? In Boca Raton, Florida, at, at the Redcon Gym. Redcon One Gym, basically. Correct. So Correct. Redcon One Supplement Company, mm-hmm. at their basically warehouse company area, there's a gym that they also No, have. this is totally separate. These oh. are like three, four miles apart. Okay, but in the same area, basically. Correct. Correct. So they Both own the gym. Boca. Correct. So they own a gym that's... For yep. anybody. It's a, it's a sales outlet, but it, it is a bodybuilding focus. So there gym. are just general members in addition to probably employees of Redcon. Correct. Okay. Correct. Just and to give some context. Yeah. And like, and they had a mono. The mono pump was broken. It was leaking shit everywhere. Um, they had some deadlift, pl- like the like the college deadlift platforms, right? We've got the power rack and the platform next to it. And they got the, the hardwood and the, the rubber and all that shit. So, it, I mean... It's a beautiful facility. You walk in, it's really cool. You got the, the hip hop blasting. You've got mirrors everywhere, which I'm like, oh god, because um, I don't, we, I don't want to see me. We cover up our mirrors. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but no, I mean, it, it really is. It's a very, very nice facility, and like, uh, really set up with the lighting's great. Like, I really, really enjoyed that. And there's a great center portion where they have like, remember when I talked about uh, at the 2020 or after the 2020 uh, Super Finals, how cool it would be to have like. Uh, a stanchion or something over the top where you could like have like a run a circular camera to do like a 3D model of the lifts. Sure. Well, they have that. They don't have a camera on it, but they have the circular light installation. Like this is fucking cool. And they could dim it. They could kind of change the lights. Like that was really really dope. So we're in there, myself and Kylo Larry at the Barber Viking. Uh, we're like, hey, we're gonna get some training in, and you know, we'll we'll poke around if we gotta move some stuff. Well, this crew ended up uh, either a having never existed or was not able to show. So it became myself, Wayne, Kyle, uh, Amy Jackson when she arrived, and uh, Phil, who's a contact at, uh, at Redcon, the five of us setting up for this meet. Suboptimal. Yeah, because Amy's not going to be moving anything heavy, for one. She, she, Amy helped a ton, oh. as, as did Wayne. Sure. Um, but what, what drove me fucking crazy was we're having to literally push equipment out of the way. And as we're doing it, we have people like tapping us on the shoulder. Hey, can I use this real quick? No, you fucking asshole. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I get it. Like, we're all big, dumb animals. Like, run it through a brain cell. We are putting this stuff over in a storage-like manner. And, like, we we literally are setting the bench up. And Kyle gets the tools. He's putting it together. We're tightening it all up. And we had to put do not touch signs on every single piece of our equipment because people were like grabbing a bar and trying to bench on the WPO bench in the middle of the gym. These, these things drove me crazy. We finally got the warmth area set up. We had all the kilo plates set up. And these are, these are individual little instances. not like people were just like harassing us the whole time. Like overall, it was fine. But it was just like, hey, we weren't prepared for that. We were a little frustrated. Well, and you also were expecting to have help yeah. to do this. Like and, you were thinking maybe you were going to bring in the APF WPO equipment. Correct. Not move and, all their and shit just, in and just set it And just set it there and, you know, position, blah, blah, blah. We also assumed that, like, hey, they're probably going to shut down the place for this. Like, this will be a big deal. Nope. It was not shut down during setup. It was also not shut down during. Now, they said, hey, we didn't, we've done a meet here. We didn't shut it down. And it was really cool. The atmosphere was really dope. They have this uh, big pyramid of stairs where you could have this, like, bird's eye view, which was really cool. Uh, our buddy Sherman was actually up there taking pictures. And it was a really cool, cool shot. Um and it was cool, but it's, as we're setting up, like trying to stanch it off the area. I mean, literally up until warm up started, and I'm physically like removing people from the area. People are like lifting up the rope and walking through with their fucking water jug and their camera and their AirPods in. And it's weird how you don't hear me say anything until I call you a dickhead, and then all of a sudden you can hear me. Like I say, I say, "Hey, cocksucker!" And all of a sudden this guy turns around, like, "Oh, you can hear, fucking cocksucker." Um, 
So that was the ugly. Um, it was a super fun venue. It was a really unique venue. We were able to set everything up where I think the background looked good. The lighting was incredible. We were able to position it so like the lifters looked awesome under that big lighting uh, structure, but the light wasn't like blazing them right in the eye. Sure. That was, so that was really cool. Uh, floor was pretty suspect. It was that like you you mentioned what it was called Mondo type Mondo. flooring. Yes. That might, that's a brand name, but that's but a it's type like, of like vulcanized rubber essentially. Yeah. Um, like like anything that was on that, I was able to push by myself, no problem. Yeah, it's a flooring that was very popular in like the mid 2000s, which maybe when they built this gym out. Yeah. Because when I worked at Velocity, mm-hmm. that was the type of flooring we had basically everywhere except for the turf and the outdoor track. Yep. It's like the basketball court was that Mondo flooring. Yep. And it was very too slippery, I would it say. Is. And the weight area was that. And yeah. it, I remember mopping that many times. Easy to mop. Yeah. But does not get that same tackiness of no. a rubber floor. So we had to run out, get some uh, stickum, which was fine. Like not, it was just a lot of like last second logistics, really. Uh, we were able to get that done, get everybody set. Benching went really well. You know, uh, we intentionally didn't go at like ESPN WPO pace. Like there's no way we could have. Well, you we only had about a dozen lifters, correct? Correct, correct. So we had some folks that weren't able to come, and some folks get some injuries. Some folks, once they heard it was only a two ply banters, had not a chance. Uh, no problem. <laughs> Sorry, Tiny Meager. Um, and, and these are guys that have you know, benched 1,000, 1,100 pounds, and, but when they heard it was only two plies, they said, no, I'm not going to come. No problem. I will give Keith O'Dell and um, Space on the other guys, and he got third. I will give them credit. They used three- and four-ply band shirts at the Arnold. Keith O'Dell won the Arnold, the, uh, the bench bash, and won one of the, the F8 bars. He said, no problem. Uh, I want to go with the competition. So I give them credit. Like, that. that's – So first was, of course – Jimmy uh, Cole. Jimmy Culp with 11... 11.40. 11.40. Yep, he got his opener, took uh, two shots, I think 11.60 and 11.85, did not get those. Dave missed his opener. Uh, I think the, the uh, foot slippage was an issue. Got 10.14, and then, hey, Dave fucked around and threw an F8 shirt on. What was his third attempt? 1,100. Okay. 500 kilos. Um, How did he move that? It All the way down, it was fine. And he even said this because I, I was lucky enough, I got to have lunch with Dave afterwards uh, and his crew. And he's like, as soon as it got to his chest, like, I just lost the shirt. Like, th- like there was just nothing. So, hmm. he, it could be he's not used to it because I know he hasn't trained in it very much. Correct. He got that shirt Monday, and he, oh, he wow. put so it on, on Saturday. Hadn't trained in it at all. Correct. correct. So th- that does get you know. And again, we don't need to go into a whole discussion on nope. band shirts again. Because nope, we've done that many, many times. We've done that many times. We'll probably do it again. But I, it's funny. I had a discussion again over email with uh, Mike McDaniel's about this because mm-hmm. he wanted some clarity because they are allowed in uh, Texas high school powerlifting, mm-hmm. and you know he was kind of clarifying because he Mike is no longer on the APF executive committee. Okay, um, he was at one point. Yep, he was in Wayne's spot, APF vice president, technical chairman, mm-hmm. um, and so we, you know we were over email discussing that. And I, I, if there is a time when the APF does approve them, and I, I, I'm not in favor of it, but I'm, again, only a vote, despite what some may say, I do think some type of mitigation like what the WPO did for mm-hmm. this particular meet makes a lot of sense because it takes out some of the craziness of these three, four ply inch thick, yep. you know, slingshotty things. Yeah. And it, I think what Wayne had were things that were more like actual shirts he had mm-hmm. it wasn't just two ply i know no, he I mean, said they had, they had to have a front they had to i mean had, there, there were certain specifications they had to meet yes that i, I i'm still reluctant on the rubber aspect of it mm-hmm. i mean you you know you and i don't really like rubber anymore obviously i mean I probably those are bay never really did um but at least if there's certain specifications it meets 
um, that that makes a little bit more sense, yeah. especially for something like this. So, so there was some drama, and some folks asked me to talk about the drama, so I'll hit that, and then we'll uh, we'll close the, the bench bash out. Uh, Keith O'Dell on his third. Now, Keith, if you listen to this, buddy, I had the best view in the house, even better than the head judge. The right arm was not fully locked out. It was fucking close. So as close as you could get without being locked out. But when you looked at his left, you looked at his right, there was a slight difference, just enough that out of the corner of my eye, I could tell, so I knew there was enough of a difference. So when he got the take-it call versus rack at the top, he start, starts, hey, whoa, 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 hold on. No, that was locked out. He was challenging the, the ruling. And then the chirping from the night crew started. And Night crew being Dave Hoff's being crew. Dave Hoff's crew saying, hey, man, judge called us. Why, there's three of them. Sorry, no, no dice. And then he and uh, Rich Putnam, that's who got third. Rich was chirping back as well as was Keith. Dave's basic response is, eh, put a real shirt on, see what happens. So fun, fun to watch the crews go at it. I'm, of course, just doing my job and staying in my lane. Um, but, hey, I, I, again, that, that was my observation from, from the platform. Uh, Rich then came out, got his third, uh, made sure to, to scream you know, at everybody, hey, was that locked out? It certainly was. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, but it was it was great. So I saw the Gorilla Pit crew. It was fun hanging out with them. We ended up getting – I got to meet Callie Rasmussen. I got to meet uh, Sam from uh, Sportcraft. Uh, super cool. Uh, enjoyed hanging out with them. Uh, but overall, great weekend. Really fun. Uh, I believe is setting up for what's going to be a really, really fun WPO Super Finals. We know we're not going to have uh, everything at the fi- Super Finals, namely the band shirts, but I think it's going to be really cool come November. So well, very it's not going to be a bench-only meet either. So. Uh, correct, correct. And I don't think most of the full power lifters, they don't care as much about that. Uh, generally speaking, no. But, I mean, uh, oh, and I'm remiss if I don't mention uh, April Mathis. Uh, only woman actually complete a lift. Yeah. Unfortunately, Rayanne and Kelly did not. And uh, on her second, April actually blew a peck. You know, I, I'm actually Facebook friends with April, yep. and she said she will never use a band shirt again yep. because it does not provide the the same said, the right the same the same at, uh, at lunch the same uh, support. And she said that was one of the reasons she injured. So, who knows? Maybe I mean, well, yeah. Enough said on band shirts, but uh, mentioning Callie and Sam, mm-hmm. um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, Sportcraft USA is uh, become the presenting sponsor mm-hmm. of APF Nationals. Yep. We will have. Their brand new extreme squat bar, their brand new F eight. Very excited for that bar. F eight uh, bench bar, mm-hmm. as well as their not yet to be released deadlift bar mm-hmm. that will be on the platform and possibly um, in the warm room as well. We're working on that yep. aspect of it as well. We, I, know, I know there's another announcement involving them. Are we ready to make that yet, or is it still not yet? Not yet. Okay, but stay tuned. Ho- but stay tuned. Hopefully, <laughs> we, we should actually double back on that one. We should. We'll, we'll circle back. Circle back. Yeah. <laughs> Stone, let's talk about Oosful Collegiate Nationals. Um, yeah, I, you know, I uh, had the opportunity to help coach uh, one of our former members, Marissa Borowskis. I always mispronounce Borowskis. her name. Borowskis. Um, who lists with McKendry Powerlifting, and uh, her coach Brad was there, and I was basically there to help her with her gear. Mm-hmm. So I guess more of a handler, and I have been continuing to help her with her programming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brad kind of took over in the middle of the year, um, our buddy from used to train here, Guillermo Blanco, yep. was the coach at McKendry, kind of really built up that program. Absolutely did. Um, got an excellent job out uh, in North Carolina mm-hmm. um, that, you know, was basically like, you got to, we need you now. You can't wait till the end of the season yep. or the end of the school year. Typically, coaching jobs are seasonal. This right. is this is more of like a training job. Mm-hmm. Still and strength I, I'm, coach. I'm almost positive that my sister's best friend from high school is also on base. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I'm almost positive she is. So I, I mentioned so specifically about Guillermo, and so uh, Guillermo, if you're listening, uh, I believe it's uh, first lieutenant Jenny French. Okay, who you'd want to uh, want to see. Okay, um, so I had the opportunity to help Marissa, and she did not have the results that I or she would have wanted, or a coach nope. would have wanted. Nope. She unfortunately bombed in the bench, and I, I will take blame for that. I'm sure Marissa will take blame for that. Uh, she got her opening squat. There were some issues after that, which I'll talk about. Um, she'd been ha- she. She had a very loose, stretchy, original Phenom shirt that mm-hmm. we used for her first geared meet. But, you know, we really, she and I really wanted to step it up and get into a more advanced shirt. So we had her get an Inzer Bolt, which is a, a more advanced shirt. Mm-hmm. And she'd been training in this whole training cycle and really starting to get the groove. The first time she got in it, she couldn't even hardly bend her elbows. Yikes. And after a couple sessions here um, during Christmas break and then training this entire spring, she got it almost there, and she, but she was still having trouble touching. Mm-hmm. And I think if she had been able to get the groove and touch, she could have hit a huge PR. Mm-hmm. Huge. But she was having trouble touching, and so she wanted, with my blessing, of course, and her coach's blessing, wanted to open in her other shirt. My, my initial – and I went back through her and I's text messages. My original inclination was to ever still use the bolt but open raw and mm-hmm. warm up in the bolt – take it off, do an easy raw opener, and then jump into her shirt. And then at least she's got two shots. She's warmed it. She warmed up. She's got the groove. That's mm-hmm. the shirt yep. she'd been training in. Um, instead, we opted to open with her Phenom. It was too heavy, mm-hmm. and there were some other mitigating factors, which I'll get into. But at the end of the day, just open too heavy yep. for the shirt. We yep. should have either opened lighter in that shirt, or and it was almost raw, that shirt's so loose. Raw. Or we should have just opened raw. Um, she did end up at uh, props to the USAPL. They did allow her to continue. Um, she did, you know, not counting, but pulled a PR deadlift, mm-hmm. at least in front of the judges. Um, so not the meet she wanted, but, uh, a learning experience for equipped powerlifting. I mean, I know you, Mr. Bain, in your first equipped meet, mm-hmm. you were probably, you know, one lift away from the same result as uh, we remember. Correct. correct. And it, it is a small window with advanced bench shirts. And it's it's a high risk, high reward, and I think another training cycle, and she'll have that shirt down. Absolutely. Um, but it wasn't there to that day, and I I, I take I take a, a partial blame for that, or all the blame if you'd like. Uh, I I feel bad. I'm upset. I'm very frustrated. Um, and let me talk about the meat itself. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, there was there were some good qualities of the meat. Yeah. There's you know. This is probably the first time I've really been like inside and in a big USAPL meet. Belly of the beast. I've been into some smaller USAPL meets, which I wouldn't say really aren't that wholly different from any other meet I've been to. This definitely was. So I'm going to give credit where credit is due. This is an 1,800 lifter meet over 10 days. You can't argue with that. That is a huge fucking meet. I mean, that's 180 lifters a day, which is a big meet anywhere. Exactly. And you drove 10 days straight. That's crazy. Um, it was teen, high school, junior, collegiate nationals. I guess I'm told they are going to split some of those off the next time. Like, I think there's going to be a separate collegiate nationals, which is how they've done it in the past. Gotcha, frat mats. Um, it was a very well-organized event. I mean, they, they had their shit in order, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, they were running four platforms almost every day and three sessions almost every day. That is a lot of sessions. That's a lot of platforms. That's a lot of logistics. That's a lot of staff. That's a lot of logistics. That's a lot of running of computers. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the production value of the platform area, the LCD screens above the platforms, mm-hmm. uh, the technology of the uh, the weight on the bar mm-hmm. and the uh, 
the lights, and the lifter up, second to none. Mm-hmm. I would say no one else right now is doing it better. There might be some doing it similar. No one else is doing it better than what they're doing right now as far as lights, TV screens, yeah. the the visual of the platform. It's a little dark for me, but... But the, but the spectacle you're seeing is incredible. The spectacle's incredible um, for the most part. Yep. Um, uh, 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 let me just stick with the positive yep. before I go into other other yep. aspects. Yep. So, I mean, as far as like when you're watching it on the, I, I think the live stream's okay. I did watch a little bit of that. I wouldn't say that's superior. I'd say it's fine. I mean, obviously a very good quality live stream. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, I don't think it stands up to say what we did in the WPO in 2019. Part of that is just you have four platforms going at once. You yeah. have four different cameras. There's no way you can have you can't focus on four things at once. No, it's impossible. You can't. Uh, so that's what I would say is the very good. Mm-hmm. And I, I I didn't say the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'll say the medium. Yeah. So the things that Sh- I would say, be. the things that I would say aren't weren't necessarily bad, but I would say were maybe below optimal. Um, the warm up room was not very big. No. And I I saw pictures. It was not big. We've run meets at the Westin before, and it is a large ballroom. Um, it splits in it splits into more, but it at mm-hmm. least splits into four sections. Mm-hmm. Of those four sections, they essentially had one section designated for the warm-up area. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it should have been two. You have four platforms. Uh, you have, of those four platforms, each platform has at least two flights. So we're talking 30 lifters each. Yep. Um, and Marissa's platform had three flights. Mm-hmm. So that's 40-some lifters. I mean, that's a lot of just lifters warming up. Yeah. And each one of them had at least one coach, and they were fairly strict on allowing who could be back there with, with good reason, mm-hmm. given how many lifters there were. Um, there was basically the bare minimum of equipment. There was two sets of equipment for each platform. There were eight combo rack platforms. Wow. So, and bear in mind, like, the same rack is used for squat and bench, which is nice from a logistical standpoint. But let's say if I am in the first flight of bench and there are still people warming up squatting, I can't warm up to bench until they're done. Right. And there was a short 10-minute break between lifts. Jesus. So if you're in flight A, you better warm up real quickly. Now, those flights on that day were mostly raw, mm-hmm. but they were also very quick, small flights. So I had yeah, Marissa. Young, raw, and mostly female. So it's going to go. Well, the other platforms were males. Okay, but it's still going to go super yeah, fast. Yeah, it was going to go fast. Um, we had Marissa warming up, and she was in flight C. We had her warming up during flight A because I knew the previous two flights were going to be very quick. Right. Um, I, I couldn't imagine being in flight A. Uh, very quick. Mm-hmm. And then additionally, again, like I'll, I'll, talk about, I'll talk about Marissa's bench again. So we, we had two benches she missed in her looser shirt. Mm-hmm. She was not going to get that on that day. Based right. on the conditions. So we said, let's just throw a Hail Mary. Yep. Let's put on her bolt bench shirt and mm-hmm. see what she can do. I actually had thought about going back to the warm-up area and having her do at least one set to set the shirt. Yeah. Because her flight was not moving as quickly as the previous two flights. But I couldn't because the bench was already broken down and people were already warming up for the deadlift. Jesus. So uh, there was no opportunity to do that, even if we had wanted to. Um, just to give some context... The warm-up room we had for APF Equipped Nationals and uh, in 2018 and 2017 mm-hmm. AWPC Worlds at the Lyle Sheridan, mm-hmm. I'd say was plausibly bigger or similar size to this warm-up area. Jesus. And that was a two-platform event in both cases. Mm-hmm. And we had, I believe we had, I think we had four monoliths, 
four benches, four deadlift platforms. We had so, we, right. we had two per each, but two separate areas. Right, right. We had separate areas for each. So if you were warming up, you know, for bench when the squats were ending, it, you weren't necessarily interfering. Yeah. Um, a little more lifter centric. Yes, more room. And, and I can tell you that we were not limiting who was in the warm up area for either of those meets. No, you were not. There was a lot of people in there, maybe too many. Um, the judging was, I would say, overly strict. And I can appreciate strict judging at a national meet. Mm-hmm. There is a point when judging becomes so strict, it starts taking away from the lifting itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I, I will take blame for the calls I made on Marissa's bench and not getting a bench in. I'm not kidding. I've been going to meets now for 20-plus years. Mm-hmm. Her second bench was about the longest press command I've ever seen in my life. I watched the video. Longer than a Greg Damica press command? Yes, definitely longer than that. Holy shit. I mean, it was a full two seconds, I would say. Wow. Um, uh, I'll talk about her her second squat in a second, but her third squat, she got called on depth on one, which I I think was wrong, but it's a judgment call. Mm -hmm. She also got called from the other side judge on up and down. I've watched the video numerous, numerous times. There's no up and down with the exception of at the top, she was so explosive, maybe the bar moved up and down. But that, I don't believe, is the intent of that rule. And and the reason I know that is because they do use that separate, like, light system where it's not just red or uh, white. Mm -hmm. There's different colors for different cards Mm -hmm. in the old school IPF system. And the one judge just told me depth. And the other judge, you can see in the video, it's a different colored card, I think blue. Right. And that usually indicates an up and down motion, which I think is bullshit. Wow. Um, And that was not a PR squat, but would have been a solid squat for her. Right. and again, I, I'm not going to say that the judging was was terrible or was bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that I think it was stricter than needed in some instances. Mm-hmm. And again, to the point where it takes away from the lifting. On all the commands, the head judge was holding lifter for, I would say, an absorbent amount of time before giving the squat command, before giving the start command, before giving the press command, before giving the rack command. It was a very long hold. And I can appreciate holding and making sure lifters have control and the USAPL does have the rule that the side judges have their hands up on the squat and the bench, and they are ensuring that the lifter's butt is down and elbows are locked and knees are locked in the squat. And the head judge is not allowed to give the squat command or start command until the side referee's hands are down. Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself is going to make those commands longer. Doesn't have anything to do with the press command, though. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's just disappointing to hear. The ugly. Um, oh, boy. Here we go. I'm not a fan of lifting cast, and I haven't been before. Lifting ass? And I appreciate what the program is doing. I appreciate the fact that you can be anywhere and watch it on your phone. That was nice that I could follow at the Special Olympics meet, even though they they also had issues with their scoring. Um, What my biggest gripe that it does not do that our – 15-year-old plus Excel macros program can do is it does not organize the next attempt of lifters in the previous round. So for instance, let's say we're about two-thirds of the way through the second attempts. What our program does is the lifters that have already completed their lifts, the program automatically starts to reorganize them via the next attempts that have been given and entered in the computer. Mm -hmm. Lifting cast does not do that, or at least the version they were using does not do that. An issue came up with Marissa's second squat because she was she started out that flight, and at least in the order, it appeared as though she was going to be first in the next round. Okay. So I started wrapping her three out, as I usually do when I'm wrapping lifters' knees. 
she, uh, the lifter three out took her full minute because she got a, a knee wrap unwrapped. They had to rewrap the wrap and then rewrap her knee. She got the squat command with five seconds left. So wow. that took extra long. Because Marissa's wraps are only two meters in the USAPL, I got her wrap particularly quickly. Mm -hmm. And so she was standing there. And then, okay, she's finally up. So we probably got done a lifter earlier than we should have. When they reset the computer to second attempts, we found that another lifter had chosen the same weight and went before her because she had a lower lot number. Jesus. And so Marissa had to wait yet another lifter before going. And then I believe missed that attempt because her knees were wrapped for so long. Right, right. I went and talked to the judges and officials afterward and explained my concerns. They said, well, you can look at what weight is the lightest in the next round, even though the program doesn't reorganize it, which would but the, but then you got to look at lot numbers too like I mean that right and I, I but yes I said well what if lifters have the same weight oh well then you have to scroll over and look at lot number I said I get that I said but I use a program that's 15 20 years old that accomplishes the same thing and it's very difficult to time wrapping an equipped lifter and which you'll get to my next point in a second mm -hmm. it's very difficult to time wrapping for an equipped lifter when the program a, does not reorganize the next attempt, and B, because you are running four platforms, there is no announcing of the order like there right. is at our meets. Exactly. So there's no announcement. The only announcer is the pirate running around saying things, and he's maybe announcing here and there. Blood sport. Oh, I'm going to post that on our Instagram. <laughs> but as in our meet, there is no Robert Bain is up, Eric Stone is on deck, Jennifer Gimmel is in the hole. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, Javi is in, you know, four out. There's none of that announcing. You're just told to go off the order that's on the TV screen or on your phone, um, and that makes it difficult when it doesn't organize it. Yeah, that's so. Bad. And if they had said, oh, well, the program doesn't reorganize the next attempt, so we're going to give the lifters, you know, a second. We're going to give them an extra minute once they see the order to get set, the equipment. Yeah, I mean, but it's... no, they're not doing that. They're very super strict on the clock. Jesus Christ. Um, the spotters... My, my friend, Mr. Bain, were not full send approved. No, they I can tell be. you that. I, I saw they would never be. Uh, they, when Marissa was standing up for her squat, the, the back spotter was, I would say, minimally five feet away, like at the back of the platform. Kyle's he's not here the seven aneurysm. He, he's not centering them, that's for sure. And I guess I shouldn't expect them to, although I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to go on the platform. Um, so we don't know if she's really centered. Uh, if a lifter would have stood up with their squat and fell back, they would be down on the platform. And they would be kicked out of the meet because we've seen that happen before. Uh, you know, and it's different when you're walking it out than when setting your feet to stand up for a monolith because you're wider. But if somebody falls back, they're on their own. The lifters, are, mm -hmm. the spotters are not there at all. And, and I can guarantee you the USAPL is going to use the excuse, well, there's no real good way to spot somebody walking out. Bet. If you go to full set initiative, you'll see we actually show how to spot somebody when they're walking out. Um, the ER style racks that they use are subpar at best. They're very light. Mm -hmm. The bench pads are thin and slippery. I don't understand why if they have rogue, well, I do know why, but I don't for a, for a national level, high level meet, why they aren't using the in the, the superior rogue rack combo rack, which is heavier, has a competition legal fat pad on it, has a stickier pad on it is much more solid, has a better liftoff platform. Well, I do know why, because the ER racks or the Texas strength racks are smaller and lighter and easier to move. And yep. when you have to move, well, let's see, four and then eight, 12 of them, you want them to be lighter, not well, heavier. And let's be real. Let's look at most people who are working with USAPL meets. They're not the strongest people on the planet. Uh, so I, the, the equipment is inferior. Um, 
And probably the ugliest for me is that now I was reimbursed and I, and I will pay whatever to help my lifters, but I had to pay $80 just to be in the warm-up room to handle my lifter. Get fucked. I had to pay a $65 USAPL membership fee in addition to a $15 plus tax coaching fee. So $80. The cost of most meats up until recently. That's I mean, saying. meats have gone up a little bit in price, but the cost of some meats just to be in the warm-up room. You know, so you're looking at the newest USAPL member here, Mr. Bain. So if the USAPL would like to come here and drug test me, um, because I'm now in a member, and I bought a competing membership. <laughs> oh, I, it's the guy in the suit. Shit. I, I, bought a, I bought a competition membership because I'm happy to have them come drug test me. You can buy a non-competing membership, which uh, you pay the same fee, and you don't get to compete. I guess you just be in the warm-up room and be a coach. Uh, but I'm, maybe I will find a USAPL bench meet to do sometime here, Mr. Bain. Is my rant over now? I'd say so. Yeah. There's, we can go on for a long time. We're not going to because we have a lot of other shit to get through. And we're 40 minutes into this. And we've still got three pages of fucking notes. And so I'll sum it up by saying I do give props to them for a well-run meet, for a well uh, a high production value. Uh, but I was disappointed in many aspects of the meet. Um, it, I, I told many people it's kind of like like that fitness chick on Instagram, like, from the outside, it looks great. The pictures and the filters and everything look visually great. But beneath the surface, I wouldn't say it's quite as great. Yeah, I subpar. So let's move on to our Plusa throwback. Throwback, throwback, throwback. All the way back to July 1993. Damn, son. Uh, Mr. Bain, what were you doing in July 1993? Well, in July of 93, uh would have been 11, and I would have been traveling while no one cares. How about soccer? Yes. Oh, perfect. Yes. Uh, Stone, what were you doing? I would have been 10 in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite teachers, Mr. Groom, was mm-hmm. my teacher in fifth grade. Nice. And we called him Grandpa Groom, which is ironic because he was probably like in his 50s at the time. What an asshole. And he, <laughs> and he seemed, well, that was what he said to call him. And he I, seemed really old, but in retrospect, he probably wasn't no, that old. Nope. Nope. Um, I mean, he was gray, so he looked old for it to a 10 year old. Perfect. Uh, well, what was going on in the world in July 1993? All types of ill shit. Uh, July 1st, uh, one second was added to our clock. Okay. <laughs> that, sure. Uh, President Clinton fires then FBI Director William Sessions. William, you're fired, and I did not have sexual relations with that one. I don't think that even happened in 93. Mr. Linsky. Uh Pakistani President Aishak Khan and Prime Minister Nazwas Sharif resign amid great controversy. Mm. Uh, the prime minister would then serve again in 2012 and 2017, though, which was ironic. So he was there in the 90s. I think he served again in the 90s. Fucking weirdos. And, and 2012 and back in 2017. Yeah. Craziness in Pakistan. Imagine uh, that. July 28th, Ken Griffey Jr. becomes the third player to hit home runs in eight straight games. Man, what, what a great player, like seriously. And Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball, one of the best uh, baseball games game. of all time on the I, Super like, Nintendo. I do not like baseball, but what a great fucking game. It the only problem with the game is the battery backup is known to fail. Yes. So I'll get like three quarters of the way through the season, like game 105, <laughs> yep. and boom, all my save data gone. Done. Oh, brutal. If you, had to, if you had to choose, Ken Griffey Jr. presents MLB or Tecmo Bowl? Well, I, I, I didn't play the original Tecmo Bowl. I played Tecmo Super Bowl. Ooh, okay. I probably would choose uh, Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball, but that's a close second. Tecmo Super Bowl, Tecmo Super Bowl three. I also had, um, which 
had to create a player and mm-hmm. a, and a franchise mode, which was was excellent. Yes. Um, before you had to play pay like you know extra fees to do like you know general manager mode. Right, right. Like on the current NFL games, but uh, excellent games. Yeah, uh, Tech Mobile. So we eventually had to go with the route of like you could never play as the Raiders. Sure. Because, because Bo was essentially invincible. Yeah, I know some people had the same rule with the Bears and certain versions of that because yep. of Walter Payton. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, Barry Sanders is another one that you would have yeah. that same oh, issue. But. Unbelievable in those games. Oh, I mean, my gosh. No one could tackle him. I mean, but th- these are the guys that originated video game numbers. Yeah, no doubt. No Absolutely. Doubt. Anyway, continue. Uh, on the cover was, mm-hmm. uh, quote, pro powerlifting. Will it take off? Nice. The more things change, the more they stay the same, Mr. Bain. Amen, they do. Um, on the cover was... Uh, Krista Ford, mm-hmm. still lifting to this day, Janice Rogue, and Richie Creevy, mm-hmm. quote, carrying the loot away from the Maryland Professional Bench Press Championships, while meet director Scott Werner, big bencher in his own right, wonders where it all went. <laughs> it's kind of a funny photo. I may post that it, one. It actually is pretty funny. I dig that. He he looks like if you order Vince McMahon off Wish, <laughs> and they does have a he does have a white limo there. I'm just too. saying that he looks very much like uh, Scott Warner gave away apparently ten thousand in cash. Damn son. Um, notable in this meet was Chris Confessor, big bencher, six hundred pound bench, missed six thirty. Kirk Karowski benched five sixty, missed six hundred. It was interesting payouts. I mean, it didn't look like any of the it, it, they didn't really list the full payout structure, but it, it seemed like he only gave out five hundred cash for each weight class winner okay. so each individual weight class winner got 500 and then some money for the lower pricings and i did i saw 11 weight classes times uh 500 that didn't get me to to 10,000 right so that got me to like 5,500 so i'm not sure where the other but then if you have 250 for second and like 100 bucks for third maybe yeah that I, I, must have been how it filled in that's yeah. the only way that it made sense but said next year they'd be getting out 20k Ooh. and they were looking uh to do full power meets and then this was the first professional bench press meet according to at least uh scott werner sure sure, sure. um there was no mention of any sponsors and i don't remember hearing about any of these other meets now I'm not super familiar with mid-90s professional powerlifting meets either, mm-hmm. so I could go forward in Powerlifting USA and see if the next, you know, I, I think they said they're going to run it in the next May. If May of 94, if there was a 20K bench meet, sure. um, my guess would be no. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm pretty close on that because uh, if you take 250 for second, 100 for third, it takes like 93.50, so we're real close on that. Tank, okay, tank so right. something, it must have been something like that. Yeah. yeah. $25 for, for, for uh, <laughs> it, it, It's interesting, like, I, you know, I guess then you are going to get more people more money, but mm-hmm. you know that's it, a lot of money when the winners only get five hundred, though. You uh, know, correct. I mean, hey, I I take five hundred dollars. If it's on the ground, I'm fighting for it. Sure. Um, controlling the motor cortex: the secret to getting big reps by Dr. Thomas Fahey. Okay. And I thought these were some interesting points uh, put in the article, and obviously the article had more detail. But train specific number one: train specifically for competitive lifts. Number two, don't overemphasize auxiliary exercises that work the same muscles as the big three. Mm-hmm. Number three, don't do too much endurance exercising, uh, i.e. jogging too much. No, no jogging. Number four, train explosively. Mm-hmm. Spade. Uh, number five. Not give too your, explosive. Yeah, but down. <laughs> number five, give yourself enough rest between sessions. Mm-hmm. And number six, include enough quality um, in your programming, and he talked about like not wasting too much on high rep sets and saving it for mm-hmm. doubles, triples, singles. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I think that kind of fits in with eventually what Louie would talk about is, you know, uh, train the competitive lifts, stick mm-hmm. to singles, doubles, um, triples, 
um, you know, train. Not, not do three by eights. <laughs> right, exactly. Got it. Uh, this is the mo- one of the more ridiculous articles I've ever Dude, read in politics. what the fuck is this, man? Dr. Judd, a view to the darker side. And this is a literal page article on, quote, witchcraft and the occult. Because when you hear the dark side, you're either talking about, like, I, I was lifting or, like, you know, untested lifting. That's what I thought he was going to talk about. No, nope. Yeah. And this is a direct quote from the article. Quote, out of complete desperation, I turned to witchcraft just to see what it had in its repertoire along the lines of love. Surprisingly, I found no less than 30 different love potions. What the fuck? So basically, Dr. Judd's looking to get laid. Mm-hmm. And he was turning to witchcraft in order to get laid. And at the end of the article, it said, what does any of this have to do with powerlifting? Well, nothing. This may be the most date-rapey thing I've ever, <laughs> I've ever fucking read. I, I, how did Dr. Judd have a column in Powerlifting USA for so long? Like, I guess Mike Lambert was just looking to fill pages. It was he just dro- doc- dropping love potions in? And Dr. Judd just, you know, said, here's a page every month that he fuck, probably didn't man. get paid for. I, I just... I don't know. This is the same guy who twice published the article about dating older women. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the same article, because I was like, have we gone through this policy you say before? Yeah, this same article where he talked about how it's, you know, the advantage of dating older women. I, 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 I don't know what else to say about it. I, I mean, you agree, I'm sure, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Top 100, 275. Yeah. From May 92 to April 93, number one, Kirk Karowski with a 964-pound squat. Number two, 959, S. Warman. Number three, Greg Beetle Lowe, 940. That would have been number three. <laughs> number four, Mark Chalet, future president of the IPA. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was at this time, 920. Number five, Jay Florio uh, with 905. Bill Nichols down at number seven, Franz Lifter. Eh, I'm seeing if anybody else of note that I know they're in the squat. Scott Edmondson, mm. Mr. Choo Choo Train himself. Oh. Uh, eight or excuse me, seven eighty two at twenty one. Um, onto the bench, Craig Tukowski, another local guy, uh, six sixty bench. Tim Isaacs, who would later claim to be the first eight hundred pound bencher <laughs> with a six hundred pound bench. You can go back in the archives, listen to that. Greg Reschel, uh, inventor of the Reschel formula, mm-hmm. five eighty two. Jay Byers, five seventy six, and D Nichols, seven. Uh, excuse me. 575 pound. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Gillingham making an early appearance down to number eight with 565, it looks like. Nice. Um, later would go on to be a big USAPL lifter. Uh, in the deadlift, S. Warman, number one, with 843 pounds. Mark Chalet, 825. Greg Lowe, 775 from prison. Mm-hmm. D. Nichols, 765. Kirk Karowski, uh, rounding out the top five with 755. Um, top of the total is uh, S. Warman, uh, 2314. Kirk Karowski, number two, 2248. Okay. Greg Lowe, 2160 from prison. Yeah. Mark Chalet, sure, sure, 2149. Sure. And V. Venucci with 2138. V. What, what's your best total now, Mr. Bain? Uh, 2155. 2155. Yep. Would have put you at number four. Now, granted, you're in multiply gear. In 93, they didn't have that. Well, they had some multiply yeah. gear, but not quite to the level they have now. Probably but, not. But interesting to look at uh, the difference. And, I, I would have considered unlimited at that time. Yeah, and, and to be fair, <laughs> like I don't think you'd be top five. Of, well, we could check that on the open powerliftings. Yeah. What would you be in multiply 275s maybe for uh, 
uh, the previous calendar year. Maybe yeah. you can check that as we're uh, as so, we're continuing so to go through. Ninety ninety two, you said. Uh, no, I'm saying if you checked your year, oh, okay. if you checked what you were uh, last year, okay. in 20, 2019. I know for drug tested, I was the top in the world. Well, let's do them let's all. Do all t- nobody cares if you weren't tested, buddy. Yeah, I know. I'm just, listen, asshole. <laughs> nobody cares if you didn't take I'm, any drugs. Because I'm, I'm I'm I can tell you that Kirk Karowski and crew weren't, weren't drug tested. No, no, they were not. Although uh, I think we read in a previous policy, you know, say he passed a drug test. So maybe he was. I mean, drug uh, tested doesn't mean drug free. That's true. Uh, assistance work for the squad and deadlift by Louis Simmons. And this is number 63. Okay. Wow. Proceed. Number 63. And yeah. that's, uh, you know, top five in 93. Yeah. So interesting. No big deal. Uh, but that, and that is very good, Mr. Bain. Um, assistance work for the squad and deadlift by Louis Simmons. Uh, at the time, it appears that Louis wasn't publishing an article every month, mm-hmm. but it, it, I have to do some more research to see when his first article was published, but he was definitely publishing articles regularly in 93. I mean, he already had VHS tapes for sale by 93, so oh, he, yeah. must, he must have already been you know, revving up his you know, presence mm-hmm. as far as writing articles, and, um, and I think he probably used... Creating content. Yeah, and he probably used the articles as a way to sell his VHS tapes. Yeah. Here's Louis' suggestions as of 93 for uh, squat and deadlift assistance work. Good mornings, back raises, highs shrugs, named after a guy named highs, and mm-hmm. apparently this is shrugs with the bar on your shoulder. So yeah, hold so the bar on your shoulders. Of it in your hands, you just put it on your shoulders. Yeah, and he suggested using a buffalo bar, okay. which easy on the shoulders. Belt squats, <laughs> hip flexor exercises. Good girls, bad girls. Abdominals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed Zercher lift, which essentially is a Zercher deadlift, what very, we call very, now. Very aware of those. Uh, hack squats, hack squats with barbells, which essentially is a deadlift mm-hmm. with the bar behind you, and doesn't do leg presses, leg curls, and leg extensions. Quote: There should be no. Uh, uh, sorry, let me read that again. There should be no off season in the power lifts. Wow, and what's the like notable? Ex- from heaven. What's the notable exception here? No reverse hoppers. Well, remember because he he kept that a secret for so long. Right. Do you want? Do you want to be a winner? Do you want to win? Do you want to be first place? Do you, buy a reverse hyper. Say, do you want to come a second? Don't buy one. Uh, but I don't know if he'd invented the reverse hyper by 93. That's something to look into. Um, I, have to I have to watch Westside versus the World. They actually mentioned when he, yeah, he yeah. may have. Timor Bloomfield, who's watched Westside versus the World 100 times, could you give us a date on the invention of the reverse hyper it's, or maybe it's here? It's somewhere between minute 10 and minute 20 that they go, go over it. Yeah, so. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> there was a full-page advertisement for the lever belt, which had a patent number on it. I'd be interested to look up that patent and yeah. when it – when it expired, if Inzer invented the lever belt or if they reappropriated a patent like they did for the bench shirt. Um, interesting, but they must have been the only one selling the lever belt at that yeah. time. All right. The top 20 are the top 100 220 benchers of all time at this time. Chris Confessor, number one with 625. Mm-hmm. Jay Lee, number two, 617. P. Dix, yes, that's his name. Nice. 612. D, oh, a long name with a lot of consonants, 605. Yeah. Number five, Jay Hamilton, 600. Jesse Kellum, who would later go on to be a, a prolific WBO lifter, number six, 584. Uh, Mike McDonald of, I believe, the McDonald uh, Cambridge Bench Bar. Oh, nice. Uh, 582. Uh, F Silva, 578. D, Dakotis, 575. And rounding out the top 10, S. Hernsink with 575. Okay. Um, it looks like 
everybody in the top 100 was above 500, which is interesting. Wow. So it's it's a very – I mean, it gets to 600 with the top five, but everybody there is is very bunched in. I mean, the number 100 lifter is 5'10", mm-hmm. and everybody there is 5'10". There's a lot of 5'15s. There's a lot of 5'25s. Very bunched from ninety to, or from ten to ten to a hundred, basically. Wow, it's crazy. So, so interesting. Um, we will move on, Mr. Bain. Uh, we also <laughs> had results in this issue from USPS so, and some of these results are, are and, interesting. And NASA High School Nationals mm-hmm. shows that it hasn't always been the USAPL that's been in charge of high school and collegiate nationals. Correct. Um, there was a review of Ed Cohn's new squat video at the time. Mm-hmm. Author Marty Gallagher said he'd spent. Quoting two thousand three hundred twenty-seven dollars and fifty-eight cents on long-distance calls to Ed Cohn just to talk about his squat technique, and so he said, uh, I'm, the, "I'm finding out how much that is." Uh. And so uh, he said the video very much focused on technique. It's you know it's well worth it at forty dollars. You know certainly Ed was and is a technician of the squat, um, and the article also said that he was soon going to come out with his uh, bench and deadlift VHS you know tapes as well. This was twenty three, twenty seven, fifty eight, and it was nineteen ninety two or ninety three. Ninety three. So forty um, five hundred dollars, and that's in, that's just in phone calls. It's phone calls. I mean, now granted, phone long distance phone calls don't cost yeah. that anymore. But uh, there was a message from the then USPS president Sandy King, mm-hmm. and these were her changes necessary for survival. Um, number one, ally ourselves with the IPF. Mm-hmm. Number two, declare the USPF a drug-free federations. Mm. Number three, hold national meets according to IPF rules. And number four, listen to lifters at the grassroots level. Number three, number one through three, and number four don't seem to match up. No, they they really don't. But know. number one yeah. through three are awfully similar to the issues the USAPL and IPF faced yep. recently. Yep. And the USPF would soon face with the IPF when the USAPL would become the affiliate. Yeah, I wonder uh, how Parlison Mary is going to do with that, with their uh, their nationals coming up right now. I'm sure that they will be uh, they will be well allied, mm-hmm. and, and they will be... Uh, and very much listening to the grassroots. Yeah, well, they, they will be very much listening to IPF rules, I would yes. think. Uh, Sandy says that a, quote, certain individual has been attacking her and her husband and that thus she will only be a one-term president, which I makes... that certain person was. Ah, uh, that's, that's an interesting question. I don't... Dun, dun. There is a letter from Greg Gordon, the promoter of the APF Illinois State Meet in Peoria. This is so ridiculous. We're going to have to add this into it too, man. (laughs) It's just so ridiculous. This is insane. So apparently Greg Gordon said he was given a bill from the hotel that he held the meet at. Oh, my God. There was a fight in one of the lifters' room that included blood all over the sheets and the carpet. Oh, my God. There was multiple complaints for noise and ruse conduct, and that a table was dismantled in the warm-up room. <sighs> Listen, man, like, <laughs> it'd be like that sometimes. And, but although I, I would, I mean, well, I, and then apparently the APF was banned from running further meets there, including an already scheduled APF Junior Nationals with a different meet director. <laughs> You know, and what what's interesting is though, like, if it's damage in the ballroom where the meat's being held, I understand being charged for that. But like, why am I as the meat promoter, like, why am I responsible for what lifters do in their own individual rooms? Like, charge them for that. That's what I'm saying. Like, you had their card, right? Like, it's not like uh, maybe not in those days. That oh, might have been yeah. that might have just been the pay cash at the end of your stay kind of which thing. which could be why he got the bill. Exactly. He was the only one who could 
be hooked on be for reached, the bill. Yeah. But what the fuck? They're just bloody fights at the APF Illinois State meet? I mean, that's <laughs> wild, man. I mean, it could just be people's blood pressure was too high. Mm, plausible. Mm. I mean, anabolics weren't quite made illegal by Uncle Joe back then. Yes. They were getting close. Yes. Poopy Joe. Uh, let's move on, Mr. Bain. Yeah. Uh, I thought we'd spend some time since, I mean, gosh, uh, timely that uh, back in 93, you know, the thought was, you know, will pro powerlifting, will it take off? That was the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the tagline on the cover of this Powerlifting USA. And so for, for 30 years, essentially, we've been talking about will pro powerlifting take off? Is it going to become a viable, long-term, uh, sustainable organizational type of structure yep. in any form. And I would say up to now, it really has not. Um, there have been pro meets. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been organizations that have... Been expensive as amateur meets too. Yeah. I mean, th- there have been meets that have given out prizes mm-hmm. for years, but nothing that has been long sustained. Even the WPO on its first iteration didn't last an incredible amount of time. I mean, it had a run mm-hmm. yep. from early 2000 to about, eh, I think, what do we say, 2007, 2008? Yep. Oh, so. Um, you know, the US, USAPL has started their pro series, I think, in response to no longer being an IPF affiliate. Yeah. You've got the USPA that's got some pro meets. Mm-hmm. You have WRPF that has kind of their pro series the yep. second year that mm-hmm. we've talked recently about some of the controversy there. They, As of the current, they seem like they had – the WRPF has the longest standing, you know, history of running big cash meets. Right. Um, WPO, I mean, we have been doing them now for what will be the fourth year, mm-hmm. um, consistently giving cash prizes, nothing big, though. I, I mean, no, not, not life-changing money or anything like that. Or... So what we want to talk about is, you know, what are the three to five items? Does pro powerlifting need them? We'll, we'll, I think you and I will focus a lot on the WPO because we're involved with it. But in general, yeah. you know, if it wasn't the WPO, somebody else, in general, what does pro powerlifting need for long-term success to be a viable, long-term, sustainable organization that consistently pays lifters and maybe gets the type of structure that, say, strongman has now where sure. you can be a professional strongman or bodybuilding where you truly can be a professional bodybuilder and make that, at least for a time, mm-hmm. your career. I mean, let's be honest. No pro athlete is a pro athlete pro forever. No. I mean, there, there's they can, a, the, they can have the title of pro athlete, but they cannot be a professional athlete. I mean, the average football career is, what, three years? Correct. Some, like Tom Brady, play for 20 years. That's the, the 1% of the 1%. Yes. Uh, but, you know, is there a place for a select few of powerlifters to make it a career for a time in their prime. And what would it need to get there? Sure. So there, there's a few. And as we look through our notes here, like our, our views are very similar on this, you know, what it's going to take. There's a couple of us I was thinking of as we, as we went through the recording that I think are going to be important. So, and I'll, I'll kind of ping these and then we can kind of dive deep a little bit as we go through, but uh, money, first things first, you cannot be a professional or something if you don't get paid. Yeah, you can call yourself a pro all day long, and you can say you've got, quote, your pro card. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, our buddy, Sean Coplin, sometimes pokes fun at all the, the quote. IFBB pros. All pros. the, all the, like, IFBB has just expanded yeah. greatly their pro cards. And right. some of them are making money, but it's like, and, and I know the USAPL recently said, oh, they started handing out their, quote, pro cards. So I think Bobby Greer was a pro bencher. Mm-hmm. Um, in his recent meet, which, hey, congratulations to Bobby on that. Yeah, but you know what, Bobby, somebody asks, hey, what do you do? I'm a cop. Correct. And, 
Well, he may, he may not say that. It depends on where he's at. But, um, <laughs> because money is first. Structure, and this is the one that I think a lot of people are going to have issue with because it, what, what I mean by structure is the equipment divisions are minimized. It is equipped, and it is you set the limit on what the equipment is, both top and bottom, and then raw. That's it. And the reason I say that is because you have to minimize confusion of the general public because where does the money come from? The average Joe who's going to sit there and watch you on the TV go, I could do that. Because every single one of those, like, why is the NFL big? Because millions of people watch and talk shit about some of the best athletes on the planet. Same thing about the NBA. Same thing in MLB. Every person that has ever played any sport, guess what do you do during practice? You lift weights. You do the big three. So every one of them has exposure to this. But why don't they watch it? Because it, it gets confusing when you get into unlimited, multiply, single ply, raw with wraps, raw with sleeves, raw, raw, naked raw, 100%, whatever it is. So minimizing divisions and equipment standards for those comps, top and bottom. And then it's going to be exposure. Exposure, ultimately, it has to get out to the masses. It has to be available. Now, it is available in the various, like, the I don't want to call them niche mediums, but the mediums that are more uh, on the go. You don't typically see stadiums packed out for powerlifting meets. And the reason is because it's not carried on main networks anymore. The reason why the Arnold used to have 6,000 people at the WPO is because you would also have Hawaii Record Breakers, and it's on NBC. Mm -hmm. Big difference. So those are the big three things I feel like really need to happen. We can kind of dive into here. Uh, You had these ordered a little bit differently. You started with structure, but let's talk through that because I think this is an important piece when it comes to uh, how do you actually become a professional? It's not just a, well, I got, you know, not second in my single person uh, NPC Masters 4 uh, newcomer division. Now I've got a pro card. There's a whole process to this. Yeah, and the the exposure one is is interesting. That's not one that I had on my list. Um, but uh, there needs to be a way for people to consume it. I mm-hmm. think we're both would be getting at, but... Uh, my my number one is there needs to be a clear, consistent structure for the from the athlete perspective, mm-hmm. and so I look at it from a couple standpoints. So from the perspective of the athletes, the, the lifters, there has to be a structure of like what's the pathway. Like it's 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 very clear for an NFL player. Like mm-hmm. I, generally, I go to pro. Play, I go I, high school. I go to high school. I go to college. Mm-hmm. From college, I get drafted, and I go from there to the yeah. NFL. Or or have the path of going as an unsigned free agent, but. Either way, I have exposure to the NFL somehow, but it is right. high school, college, NFL. If you think about pro bodybuilding, and I don't know what the structure is, but like, you know, you do local meets and you get your pro card and then you go to the bigger, you know, uh, the Arnold and you, you go you to the Olympia. To, always move on to the bigger meets. Yeah. And you move on and that's how you become a pro. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a clear pathway for that. For the world's strongest man, there's clear qualifiers mm-hmm. and... You know, national. I don't know what that is, but there is a clear for those athletes. There's a yep. clear structure thereof on and, how. They and there's also that. a singular organization, so it's easier to, or two organizations now, strongman, that it's easier to set those standards. Mm-hmm. So, when I think about the WPO, which is the the professional organization you and I are associated with, mm-hmm. Mr. Bain, the pandemic kind of threw off what I think the original pathway that I I liked, or that I think had some validity, which yep. was. The semifinals at the Arnold and mm-hmm. the superfinals in the fall, either with the WPC Worlds yep. or as its own standalone event. Yep. And you could qualify for the semis by placing in the top 30 in any APF or WPC sanctioned meet. Yep. And that's how you got to the semifinals. And I liked having the semifinals at the Arnold. 
I don't think that's going to happen anymore due to all types of ill shit. All types of things that went on there. Um, but the semifinals final structure of, you know, the top 30 men and women go to the semifinals, and of those top 30, the top 15 go to the superfinals. I do like that pathway. You qualify for the semifinals through the APF WPC. My only additional suggestion there, at least as the release of the WPO, would be some sort of connection to APF Nationals and WPC Worlds. Mm -hmm. I'm not just saying that because I'm running APF Nationals this year, but I think it would make sense to maybe have the top three coefficient lifters from WPC Worlds, men and women, multiply, get an automatic invite to the WPO Superfinals. So for the following year, there's and that gives some... Like, why do I want to go to Worlds? Why don't I just qualify by doing any any local APF meet? Yep. And it's like, hey, if I win top three at Nationals and I go to Worlds, and I'm and if you win, more likely you win Nationals because if you're going to be top three of coefficient, yeah. you're going to be a top lifter at Nationals. But I win Nationals, I go from Nationals to Worlds, and I'm one of the top three coefficient lifters, which is not a lot. So we're talking the top three multiply yeah. coefficient men and women. Um, those get an automatic invite. I would also suggest so that you don't fatigue your talent, your lifters, that the top three, maybe five, I, I'm flexible I was, on that. I, I, I say three. Okay. Because then you have, think about this. If you're doing the top 30, mm-hmm. six spots are, are, are spoken for. Yeah. So I would say the top three from the previous year's Super Finals get an automatic bid to yep. the next year's Super Finals. Like, returning champs should always be an automatic invite. Yeah, and they don't have to do this, the semifinals yeah, exactly. again. exactly. They shouldn't have the to. The lifters that are trying to qualify should have to go to the semifinals mm-hmm. to get there. And, and again, if we use the top three from WPC Worlds and the top three from the Super Finals, okay, six slots are gone, and maybe we say there's – maybe we go to 16 because then, okay – the next top 10 lifters, because I, I just like 10. Sure. The next top 10 lifters can move on from the semifinals. Sure. And you're really trying to fight your way from the top 30 into the top 10. Yep. But it, whatever it is, I mean, it could be whatever. There should be a clear pathway and a clear way in which you need to qualify. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Wayne and Michael, who've been helping him, have done a bad job of this. I think they've been dealt difficult hands in the past two years. By the way, they've continued to run meets when other Mm -hmm. meets have just said, F it, there was no Arnold last year. Um, And this year it seemed like it was much smaller. And I don't, from what I'm told, someone can correct me, I don't know there's any prize money. Uh, There was not. $270 entry fee. There was belts being stolen again from rumors have been told. That's that's what we keep hearing. Um, Will Smith was out there or what, but... (laughs) <laughs> well, let's talk about that at the end <laughs> so that if any people don't want to hear more about that. Staged. In general, I think that there should be a pathway for the best lifters to qualify and compete. Mm-hmm. It should be through a specific pathway. It shouldn't just be anybody that's done any backyard meet in any federation. Right. There, but whatever the organization is, it could be the WPO, it could be the other one, there should be a clear pathway of how the best lifters have a way to qualify, and once they've won – can maybe, you know, they've got a way to stay there and the next up-and-coming the, lifters have to work their way right. up you, to you, that. You can earn the right to to be king of the hill, and then you get to, you get to do the Ric Flair. Like, listen, you want to be the man, you got to beat the man or woman. Yep, I agree. Um, I, I agree with your number one. There needs to be consistent and significant prize money. So far we've had, in the WPO, we've had consistent prize money mm-hmm. every year. The winners have gotten some money. Nothing life-changing, but it's been at least in the four figures. Um, We need to really get more to like, and I say we, the WPO Mm -hmm. needs to eventually get more to like that 
that consistent five-figure prize money. Yes, absolutely. If they want lifters to be drawn to the WPO. And honestly, uh, that prize money needs to come from like big names, like names that matter. And, and here's like, it doesn't need to be like Nike. Uh, here's an example I had to give for that. Professional cornhole. I don't know if you've watched this on ESPN before, but there no. is professional cornhole. And these people, Eric, these people get six-figure checks for winning worlds. Yeah. And, but, and here's the thing. They have you know, names that you know. Johnson Bratz. Mm-hmm. You know, we, all, we all know Johnsonville. Um, Pennzoil. So like, these are big names that you know and you're familiar with. Like, okay, I'm not using Pennzoil when I throw cornhole. Like, I don't give a shit about that. But guess what? That money spends the same. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so that so that's something that like it, it matters for them. And when you get to those five figure, then you get to those six figure, then you get people like then you get folks coming out of the woodwork saying, I, I can do that. It's not just like I'm some fat ass sitting on the you know, it's not like curling where anybody can literally do it. Like I like these are unique individuals that are gonna come through here. Yeah. And that's if the prize money was significant enough to draw in your raw lifters to mm-hmm. jump from I mean, raw to equipped. Dan Bell said it. Dan Bell said it on our interview. He said if the money was there for equipped, he would do it. Yep. Or at least he would try it. Absolutely. Um but, you know, if the prize money is not big enough to essentially incentivize them to try that. Right now, you're basically going to get your your multiply diehards and the ones that really like they're doing it for the prestige. They're not doing it because they win, you know, multi-figure uh, prize money. No, not at all. They're doing it for the belts. Yeah, they're doing it for the belts. They're doing it for because they want to win. Yeah. And, and then I get slapped. The prize money needs to be year after year. It can't be one off because there's been a lot of. I, I've been around powerlifting a long time. There's been the West Side Pro Series mm-hmm. when Louis given some money. Yep. Uh, there's been the Power Station Pro Am. Mm-hmm. There's been the WPO in the past. You know, there's been a lot of one offs. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe the current open will sustain, but, you know, not uh, an incredible amount of years. So, uh, you know. We'll see what you know those type of meets bring, right? But there needs to be consistent money year after year. It can't be one-offs or a couple years. It needs to be something where it's year after year. There's the young and up-and-coming lifters that say, "Yeah, I've seen the WPO. Now I want to train for that." Absolutely. Um, I, I think you need niche sponsorships, and you talked about you know even some big name companies. But I, I, you're right. I think a company like Nike probably not. But I think like like Reebok originally did with the with CrossFit, yeah. like they found a they found a niche mm-hmm. of training, and now Noble has filled that same yeah. role. Like you need a company that's big enough so they can throw. Like, like I would love to see like Converse or Vans. I, I mean, gosh, how I mean, how awesome would that be? I mean, Converse. Do you well? Nike owns Converse. Sure, but there's, but, but that's not but to say they that, own Jordan too. But they still invest in plenty in that. Sure, that's not to say that Converse doesn't have their own budget for things. But uh, sure, I mean, do you know how much money Louis Simmons has brought to Converse in the last thirty years? Oh my gosh, uh, couldn't even tell you. I, I mean, and, and how hard would it be for them to throw a six-figure check to say the WPO and say it's the Converse WPO Superfinals mm-hmm. and it's already a built-in market? And hey, maybe they're like, hey. You know, Converse, are they the perfect... I don't think Converse are the perfect shoe for squatting. Sure. But that's not to say they couldn't design one. Yeah. They could work with somebody and say, hey, let's have the Dave Hoff Converse squat shoe. And I don't know what Dave squats in. It could be Vans. Yeah. It could be Converse. But, hey, let's redesign a shoe, kind of like Mark Bell did. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's actually make a true squat shoe in that Converse or that Vans style and have somebody like a Leah Reichman or a Dave yeah. Hoff or both yeah. be the endorser. Both. Yeah, both. Uh, my third is that 
there does need to be a high production value. Absolutely. Without sacrificing being a lifter friendly and a for the lifter organization. Mm -hmm. And when I say lifter friendly, I don't mean loose judging. And I don't mean like letting the meat run at the lifter's pace. No. But I mean having a a big, well-stocked, sufficiently uh, area for warm-ups. Yeah. I mean having high-quality equipment. Mm -hmm. I mean having consistent but fair judging mm -hmm. that is to the rule book but not overly strict, that is consistent for all lifters. Right. Um, that's what I mean by being lifter-friendly. But I do think you need some of the lights, some of the staging the backdrop i yep. mean i think like the usapl has to their credit their giant lcd tv screen they backdrops cool. they're cool i mean that's not anything unique to have a giant tv screen no. like i mean that's been going on in nfl nba mlb for years right um obviously those sports have significant amounts of cash S in them significant investment right uh, but I, I think something like that makes a lot of sense so that you can flash different things on the screen but those types of things i think do need to be worked towards even mm -hmm. with the WPO. Right. You do need a high quality live stream or broadcast. I use the standard for me is that 2019 WPO Superfinals in which ESPN was involved. Not that the, the, the subsequent live streams have not been good. I mean, the one here, the I guess you know the the, the high, high school kind of fucked it up. The high school stole all the internet, and yep. uh, last year uh, I think was also good. But I do think that 2019 is kind of your standard. Mm -hmm of you've got a, a high-quality announcer, you've got a high-quality play-by-play guy, yep. you've got multiple camera angles. That year, because you had those extra cameras and staff from ESPN, you even had B-roll footage. Yeah. You had Brian Carroll had done day-before filming of mm -hmm. explaining equipment and the bench shirt and the squat suit, mm -hmm. and they had some of that B-roll they yep. would call. Exactly. And you maybe even – I know that originally they talked about doing like, hey, doing like a, a little, you know – bio type spots for each of the lifters yep. and maybe they they head out to their training facilities where they work out you er, know a couple Eric months Stone, prior the ohio state university <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> but you know people do they are interested in that kind yeah of they stuff. want people want to know people like, want human interest stories that's why people care about lifters is not just because what they lift or because the athletes are good but because they're the good people and, they are and the people they are and, and i think and that was the one thing that i i didn't have in here in the notes is there also has to be rivalries yeah, and, and that like you've got to have people that can chirp at each other. And, and I, 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 let me go back to my uh, money because mm -hmm. I didn't talk about that, and I should have. But in addition to those knee sponsorship, look what's going on in the NFL right now. Because mm -hmm. I listen to a number of football podcasts, and they're all fucking sponsored by some kind of gambling outfit, which yep. has now become more legalized. And the NFL's and ca California's voting on it in November. And if it passes in California, which it's looking like it's going to, it will open the fucking floodgates. Exactly. And I think if you – and Nick Busick talked about this back in the mid-2000s with the Mountaineer Cup. And he had this kind of like partner idea where a lightweight and a heavyweight mm -hmm. lifter would partner up together. And that added some element of strategicness to betting. Yep. But I think that if you could involve gambling in uh, professional powerlifting – uh, somehow, uh, I don't know how that works. I'm not a gambling person, but I know there's money there. there and if people are going to put down bets on things because they want to see Hoff win, mm -hmm. or maybe there's a line of, you know, Hoff winning plus, you know, 100 pounds. Yep. And maybe there's I take... Prop, there's prop bets. There's, right. you know, someone's going to miss their 
uh, first two benches and get their third or like all that type of shit. I mean, maybe I'm going to take Bob Merck minus 100 pounds yeah. as, the, as the second place winner. Yep. Um, and I'm going to bet on that. I mean, that's where you're going to get money is from places like that. Absolutely. Unfortunately, given the non-tested nature and given kind of the extreme nature of, of equipped powerlifting, which I do enjoy, um, uh, I don't know that you're going to get the mainstream sponsors. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I do think you might need to get those more second-tier sponsors that are okay with the the uniqueness absolutely. of it. And absolutely. certainly, when you talk about gambling... They, ha- they absolutely are okay with towing that line. They're just, they're just fine, as long as it brings them money. Yep. Um, you know, I do think a continued quality of actually running the meet. I do think running a tighter schedule like we have with the mm-hmm. WPO relative to, you know, multiply powerlifting. I mean, gosh, the USAPL Nationals with Marissa, we were done with three flights from 8 until about 11.30. So three and a half hours, three flights of squat bench deadlift. Jesus. Now, we do more like uh, two flights in mm-hmm. four and a half, five hours. But for multiply with big, big weights being lifted – that's a pretty tight schedule. Yeah, for sure. We definitely need quality spotting and loading. We need to make sure that the accurate amount of weight is on the bar, and we need to make sure that the lifters go up to the platform and there's no question. Yeah. They don't want to bring their own guys up there to spot like they do at local meets. No, they absolutely want to. not. They think those guys up there are going to keep me safe, and I feel, I feel confident in attempting all-time world record weights. That's what you have to have at high-level multiply pro meets right you need accurate and fast scoring we should look at something like lifting cast with the apf wpc wpo i don't know that necessarily lifting cast is the answer because of the issues that i've seen with it mm-hmm. um but i but, have to believe that that is a fixable that is a literally code thing that has to be fixable. Uh, no doubt but there are other technical issues i yep. i won't go into that i'm not but having that live scoring that someone could just look at on a website, yep. that is invaluable, and I will give them credit for that, um, lifting cast in the USAPL that use it. It's uh, definitely something like that we need to look at. Like I, I, I've worked a couple times on trying to get a live stream for our meets, and I really need a, a more powerful computer. And what I had done is I had basically cut out the portion of our program, which is an Excel macros mm-hmm. and cut out the lifters name and the weight. So you could put that on the live stream. But if you're looking at betting and you're looking at seeing who's winning, you don't just want to see the weight on the bar, right? You want to actually see that score sheet and you want to see, you know, who's winning. Uh, one thing lifting cast does that I like is they have projected totals. Yeah. So you yeah, would, have, seen that. you would be able to see, okay, if Hoff gets his third deadlift and, uh, Bob Merck gets his third deadlift. What would the what would right. the placing be? And ba- based on where the attempt is set currently. Correct, and that's where some of that, you know, projection and uh, strategic choosing of attempts. Where your guy Rudy, mm-hmm. man, he's sitting there with a calculator, and this is even tougher when you talk about coefficient scoring. Oh yeah, oh yeah, very complicated with coefficient scoring. He's sitting there with his phone, calculating numbers mm. and picking attempts for his lifters, and often picking them very well, as he did with uh, with Ant- Anthony Hobika. Yep who jumped into second place at the last WPO. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so those are those are the, kind of the big 3 that I think that, you know, specifically equipped pro powerlifting needs mm-hmm. to have long-term success. And, and like you said, if WPO is involved, our our friend Wayne Pullum probably will listen to this uh podcast and I I, I don't think you and I say any of these things as 
criticisms of what he has done so far. Not in the least. Not like as I said, these are observations. Yeah, and these are I would say in all likelihood, Wayne would probably agree with ninety percent of what we yeah. we have in here. And I think, and if he had unlimited resources, he would do. I would say almost everything we're suggesting. And what Wayne has done well that I think his predecessor, who you met, Karen Kidder, mm-hmm. did not do in the early 2000s is, and Karen personally has a lot more money than Wayne does. Like, right. Karen comes from money. I don't say that from a perspective of, like, telling a big secret. Yeah. Karen invested, a, and Wayne has as well, mm-hmm. Karen invested a lot of his personal money mm-hmm. I mean, into getting it started. Lot, like, he said on the podcast, a million dollars. Yes. And at a certain point, like, there's got to be... There's got to be a return on that investment. Absolutely. And what Wayne has done and said, okay, I will invest not a million dollars. I will invest some time, my time and some of my money, but I'm not going to let this organization get too far out in front of what I know I can yep. handle. Yep. I'm not going to go the Joe Mukite Bench America route of taking out a third mortgage on my house. No, absolutely not. That is not a good idea. It is not a good idea. Very bad, very terrible idea. <laughs> you know, who knows? Maybe taking out a small business loan makes sense, but mortgaging your house, that's not as good it's of an not, idea. Not, not the collateral you should be putting So against Wayne has tried to build up the WPO so that he can achieve some of these things eventually mm-hmm. by producing a good product for a consistent number of years, consistently drawing good lifters. Uh, being in the middle of a pandemic was not the optimal situation no. to try to continue to develop it. So I think that's probably set it back a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's continued to have momentum and the big thing that we talked about here, you, you've got to get that money injected into it. Yep. And you put it as number yep. one. It probably is number one. I mean, uh, the structure is very important. But, hey, but no, numbers talk, baby. All of those, <laughs> all of the other aspects I talked about, yep. they can be solved by having more money available. Absolutely can. If there's, Absolutely more, can. if there's more sponsorship money, if there's more prize money available, if there's more money for production, I mean, you, you have enough money. You could create your own lifting cast. You Absolutely. could you could hire a nerd with ones and zeros. You you could talk to some kid. He's like, hey, you need, you need a project for your your senior thesis. Here you go. Well, or if you had enough money, you could just hire a company that does that for a living and sure. say, create this program for us. Yeah, and exactly. it could it, for the right amount of money, you could create just about anything. There's nothing so super unique about lifting cast no. that somebody else could not create it with, with the right resources. And and I can tell you though, and obviously you and I probably have more contact than the most do with with Wayne, I know he's working towards all those things. Yeah. So uh, we talk about these things because I, I think we kind of, after you went to the WPO bench bash and uh, I, I think we just kind of wanted to chat about like what, where does it need to go? Where should it go? And where hopefully is it going? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so those are our thoughts on that. We would uh, be interested to hear if, what the listeners think, what does the WPO, what does equipped powerlifting need? Mm-hmm. Um, in the next, we'll say, 24 to 36 months to be more successful. I think it's been successful. What, are they, what do we need in the WPO? What do we need to do to take it to the next level, to really like blow all the bullshit politics of multiply and powerlifting in general mm-hmm. out of there and say, hey, whether you like it or – one thing you can say about the USAPL with collegiate and high school lifters, I, I, I talked about this at dinner – are at lunch with uh, my lifter Marissa's parents. Good or bad, it's almost a it almost becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. And again, you could say this is good or this is bad. But the college powerlifters all go to collegiate nationals because all the competition is at 
Collegiate Collegiate Nationals. Nationals. Yep. And all the competition is at Collegiate Nationals college because lifters. the college lifters go to it's, Collegiate it, Nationals. It certainly is a, a circular circular thing. Um, and to their – like, everybody in college goes and competes in the NCAA. Do they all love the NCAA? Probably not. No. There are probably a lot of things they do they don't like. Uh, from the they, col- they, yeah, they allow certain competitors to allow certain other ones. You could make money for a long time. Like uh, from from the collegiate perspective, colleges, th- especially when money gets tighter in an economy, and there's maybe a bigger push on going a, a non four year college route. Mm-hmm. They're looking for avenues to get students to their buildings. Yep. They're looking for ways to get students to enroll in their college. And I think Follow some the of the dollars. I think some of them are seeing, hey, college powerlifting is not a big investment. Um, not a lot of equipment needed. You probably already got a weight room for your other sports. Yep. You maybe need a couple small little niche things that, which in the grand scheme, is nothing. Bucks with a four billion dollar endowment, no problem. It's yeah, to buy a three thousand dollar combo rack, no big deal. They buy ten foot power racks. You they know, private lunch. jets for their football teams. They're fine. Yeah. So. An investment in a college powerlifting team is not a big investment, and if it can draw student athletes to their school, of course they're going to do it, and they're going to go the route of where are all the college powerlifting teams competing? Well, they're competing in the USAPL. And at a certain point, you have to get, even if not everybody loves everything about the WPO, they think Wayne Pullum's an asshole. They think the guy with the blue, maybe now red elbow sleeves an asshole. They think the guy that run meets out in Chicago is an asshole. They think, you know, Michael Fahey talks too long. Yep. Whatever it is, even if they think all those things, if enough money is there and the structure is there, they'll they get w- over all that shit real quick. They will be there and they will complain, but they will still be there. Correct. <laughs> we've, we've seen it. And I don't believe all those things, Fahey and, and Wayne and, and uh, Blue Elbow Sleeves, now Red Elbow Sleeves Man. Overkill. Of course. Team OK is lifters. Team OK. Well, I, you know, here I have a proposition for Mr. Rudy. I think he should make his elbow sleeves a specific color. I would suggest red. Because it stands out like the blue does. Well, so the, the inside is red. I would say make the whole thing red. That, I, that's I, wouldn't, what, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Because it stands out more. And everyone, st- everyone points out the blue elbow sleeves because that blue color stands out so much. Yep. So, Especially hey. against the black shirts I'm almost always wearing on the platform. Uh, of course. Of course. Um, Mr. Bain, uh, anything else to add to our discussion on pro powerlifting? No, just throw us the money. That's all we got to do. Yeah, if there's any like multinational corporations that are looking to invest in something. Hey, Abbott, Mondelez, get over your fucking shit and throw a few hundred thousand dollars this way. You will yeah. not fucking regret it. Ah, come on. Like like we talked about, Vans, Converse. Um, uh, Abbott, Mondelez. Yeah, I mean. Uh, trying to think of who, who else would be like a, a unique one. But Johnson & Johnson, fucking baby powder. Yeah, yeah. Until we go to this, uh, Cray- this... Crayola chalk. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Well, until we go to this new uh, liquid baby powder. That uh, should, yeah. should we do a little aside on that, Mister Bain? I think. Uh, I mean, sure. Yeah. Let's sure. Let's so talk, talk about a, a unique experience with I think a unique product. Yeah. That is going to have its day in court, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So Gorilla Piss. Who makes mostly ammonia? They make ammonia. That, that was their fir- their first product was ammonia. Hence and the I, I guess a guy from Peoria, ironically, we're talking about Peoria, nice. uh, who works out uh, down there with W T Franklin, mm-hmm. who's done our meets in the past. I guess he came up with this new product that is a liquid baby powder. Mm-hmm. And what he has described to me is essentially his baby powder suspended in a solution. Mm-hmm. I suspect it's an alcohol solution. He didn't say that, but it essentially you would spray it on your skin. And it would dissolve, the liquid part of it would dissolve into your skin similar to uh, 
hand sanitizer. Yeah. So that's but it, why, but it would leave the slickness. Correct. Because the baby powder is suspended in it, instead of like liquid chalk, which we, we APF, does allow mm-hmm. because it's not even really liquid. It's more of like a – it is a liquid, but as soon as it hits your skin – it's dry. Yeah, Additionally, it's, it's, it's a suspension as well. Yeah, you wouldn't want your hands to be wet anyways yeah. with chalk, so it doesn't really matter. But we specifically have a rule in the APF WPC against using a liquid for as a lubricant. So no Astroglide, no water, no liquid can be used on your thighs. Only basically baby powder, talcum powder. Yep. I think some people have used uh, like billiard powder um couldn't tell you yeah i've seen people do that um because it's less mess and gorilla piss essentially came up with this solution and said hey we're trying to reduce baby powder mess in the warm-up room and around the platform which i really appreciate because i fucking hate cleaning up baby powder right uh the man from egypt last couple years ago at worlds literally like you know, for every attempt, use an entire bottle of baby powder everywhere. went through three bottles of it. Absurd. Just baby powder everywhere. Um, we ruled it illegal at the raw Illinois state meet. And specifically because one of our judges or officials saw it dripping down the lifter's yeah, it, legs. It did not evaporate. So if the lifter had sprayed it on his legs and let it dry, we honestly probably never would have noticed it. Yep. We would have noticed their lack of baby powder. Yeah. But... When it was still like literally dripping down his knee, that is a liquid and that is not allowed. Correct. If this product is allowed, it will have to be completely dry yep. prior to going on the platform. Now, uh, this so, it, so the rule of thumb is like as long as it's not running down your leg, you're probably fine. Uh, yes. Until further notice, it's probably not legal, but I know Wayne Pullum, technical chairman of the APF and obviously president of the WPO, is going to review it. Yep. Um, and he, see he, what he and I did chat about it. Uh, see what the product actually is. I was able to briefly look at it at the Illinois State Meet, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm not sure. I, I didn't really have a chance because it wasn't and, mine. Hence why it's going to Wayne. Yeah, so it'll go to Wayne. I'll have a look at it. Wayne will have a look at it, and uh, we will see about that. Speaking of baby powder, perfect. Uh, next week and beyond, Mr. Bain, we've got some interviews. We, yep. One of the reasons why we're a couple weeks uh, behind in, in recording is we thought we had a couple interviews lined up that. Haven't quite lined up yet, so mm-hmm. it kind of set us back. But we do have that. We do have and our anabolic books. Some travel and some meets and all that fun shit. Yeah. Um, I, I do think the USAPL IPF timeline is coming sooner than later. Mm-hmm. I think I should soon maybe have the time, maybe when I'm you know driving to Cincinnati, to to dive a little into uh, into that, which so, you and I will be I've, at soon. So I've downloaded the uh, that YouTube video, and I've got a four-and-a-half-hour flight to San Diego here uh, next week. So, Okay. Uh, I think that's coming soon. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us feedback uh, on our Instagram account. You can drop in our DMs. Check out our merch store. The link tree in our bio is the way to buy things. Post it. Uh, and we love to see you guys in our strengthening mm-hmm. gear. Please and thank you. I know we've talked about a new shirt. Sorry I haven't got to that, but I'm not listening to your podcast, bro. bro. <laughs> uh, it's probably coming some point. Um, should we well, should we end with talking about the pop we, culture we do, topic? We do have a new uh, a new review. Oh, okay. Well, a five star from uh, let's go big, big A because <laughs> I can't say the rest of this one. Uh, literally, the only thing that gets me through my eight hour shift. Wow! Thank excellent. you so much. Thank you. So Can much. you not say it because you can't read it, or because I cannot pronounce this? Like oh, okay. Big big A yeah. Hmm. Let's see what that says. Big A 
CAC JD Beh. So thank you to yes. that individual. And, if, and, if, and when you listen to this, please DM us. Just tell us how to pronounce your name properly. We will set the record straight. We will set the, or you could DM us your actual name and not your just your your handle. Hand, handles are the that matters. Sure. Uh, yeah, I talked to a, a young lifter at USAPL Nationals who said he uh, he's been looking forward to a new episode and, nice. and listens to it. Uh, and is, was was bummed that we haven't released one in a while. And, and I will say we did meet one of the lifters who was competing. He actually competed today. Yash, it was great meeting you, and I can't wait to see you again. So he he was here. Last week, did his last couple of training sessions, but he actually lives it today as of this recording. Oh, perfect. And uh, it seems like he did well. He had a medal, so I assume he did, uh, did pretty good. Very good. Uh, so, Mr. Bain, thoughts on the pop culture controversy of the Will Smith uh, slap of Chris Rock? I mean, listen, it, Will Smith has obviously shown the line is, you can fuck my wife, you just can't fuck with my wife. Um, but, yeah, totally staged. Okay, I'm glad we're in agreement there because I've had people in this gym say, oh, look, it was totally real. I, I read body language. You're telling me, let's just look at the logic here, folks. Two professional actors in Hollywood around other professional actors on a broadcast that has been tanking year after year and now got suddenly the highest ratings it's ever gotten because of this incident. And oh, by the way, Chris Rock, who probably didn't necessarily need help selling out shows, sold out more shows faster than he ever has in his career after this as well. Hmm. So totally, totally a, a real thing. Not nah. Follow the money, kids. Uh, you know, did you watch the Oscars? No, fuck, no. I, was, I, was I, I've, I don't know that I've ever watched the Oscars. I asked anybody at the gym here if they had watched the Oscars. None of them had, but they all heard about this. Yep. So if the goal was to – what's the goal, people ask? Well, the goal is to bring attention. To both individuals. Yeah. And and to the Oscars, who then now suddenly, oh, Will Smith refused to leave. Listen, asshole, if he refused to leave, we would have seen security at his table. Yeah. It, it was staged, folks. I hate to tell you this. It was WWE-esque. It Absolutely. was, a, as they would call it in wrestling, it was a spot. Yes. Chris Rock leaned into it and prepared his face to be slapped. Yes. It wasn't even much of a slap. No. He, uh, got, he got fingertips that made the sound. Let's remember that everyone thought that Andy Kaufman wrestling women and getting power driven by uh, Jerry Lawler back yep. in the day was real. Was real. Like people called and said, like, "Oh, he's going to the hospital." Like, of course it's staged, folks. Yeah, it's a spot. It's it was meant to draw up interest, mm-hmm. which it has done. Everybody's talking about it, including us on a powerlifting podcast. Yep, it was a hundred percent staged. Probably the only people that truly knew it was Chris Rock, Will Smith, the director, and security. Yep. And listen, if Will Smith had used bands and chains, he would have actually slapped the shit out of him, and we wouldn't be talking about this. Now, uh, since Louis has passed, does his friend, uh, Mr. Don, have anything to say about that? Listen, Louis Simmons, wonderful man, did great things for the strength community. He had Westside Barbell. I never went there because I don't train. Everyone understands you only have one battery, and I don't want to train mine. I have to run the free world. Sleepy Joe, he didn't believe in Louis Simmons. He said steroids are bad, enacted the Steroids Act 1994, very terrible, very horrible. But Louis Simmons overcame that. It's like he overcame two broken backs, and he beat the Russians. That didn't like that, but I'm okay with that. Louis Simmons, RIP in peace. With that, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger.